You are now tuning into Goddess Culture with Jordan and Shanice. <laughs> I really don't think so. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode 19. 19. Oh my gosh, I forgot to write it on my paper. Yeah, we're almost 20 in. Wow. To think we were just going to stop at episode 5. Episode 5, I was like, I'm over this shit. <laughs> I don't want to talk no more. Every time we talk, all I hear is squeakity squeak. Because our mics was cheap. And yeah. It's probably like $24. <laughs> Let's talk about growth. But yeah. yeah um, Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel. I feel two different ways. Because for that many people to come up with the same story. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. But then again, this girl who did, you know, press charges, he he paid her off like before, like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He she came out with the story and he paid her off and mm-hmm. she took that settlement and now she went back and tried to, you know, put him in jail. Which I don't know if I feel bad for him or if I feel bad for like her. Because for you to keep that secret mad long, I'm not sure of rape culture, but like for you to have to hold that in. Yeah. Um, that must have been serious. The whole Bill Cosby thing, I really tried to keep my opinion to myself because <clears throat> I don't want people to mistake like Bill Cosby and Heathcliff Huxtable are two different people. And I think people try to like make yeah. it seem like we're tarnishing the legacy of the Cosby show and he's a fictional character. So right. we saw that great guy. And mm-hmm. I don't want to believe that Bill Cosby did that shit because it's horrendous. Right. But where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, if there's three people saying that somebody raped them, you know what I'm saying? And they're unrelated people. My first, I, I don't want to go with, I want to believe him because we know Bill Cosby, the actor. Right. Because this is why when r- women do get raped, they don't say anything because people don't take their word. And right. before all this happened, I operated off of a... Trust the victim first and we figure out what happened. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't right. want to deter anybody from telling their story and getting some level of justice for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I really tried not to talk too much about it. but So I was talking to someone about it and they were basically like, during the era where Bill Cosby grew up, grew up um, a lot of people were doing a lot of those type of drugs. Like they were doing Percocets. They was doing um, the date rate drug. I don't even know the What's correct that? name for um, it. Wolf on Wall Street. What was that called? What were those drugs they were taking? Oh, um... That's what he was using. Really? It was, um... I forgot the name, but... Yeah. Um, basically, that's what they were u- they're using, and they enjoyed that. Like, that was like, come hang out and do this. Uh, yeah. Granted, you know, I don't know if everybody could come up with this same story that they was basically taking it. And he put it in their drinks, and mm-hmm. they wasn't sure. Like Quaalude. Um, Quaalude. That's what it was. Yeah. I don't even know how that affects your body. I don't... Um, well, in the movie, this man lost his whole... <laughs> you remember he was, like, crawling <laughs> in? <laughs> he couldn't talk. He's like, like, on the phone. He thought he was talking. <laughs> so apparently, your motor yeah. skills are gone. Oh, okay. That's not <laughs> even funny. It's not, because that's probably how these women couldn't get away. Wow. And Bill Cosby, if you did that, like that's <laughs> that's OD fucked up. It, super, seriously. But um, Beyonce had her twin. She did. Shout out to my niece and nephew. <laughs> did you see Eminem's tweet? No, what it was say? like the perfect pair. Like congratulations on the perfect pair, and they tweeted like a blue Eminem and a pink Eminem. Oh, that was from Eminem. Yeah, 
Oh, you mean the candy? Yeah, you're the second person today. Second person today to think I was talking about the rapper. I like you were talking about the rapper. <laughs> I'm like, that's really nice of him. <laughs> he sent them M and M's. Okay, um, Philando Castile. Yeah, well, that just sobered things up. Right. Yeah, I just, I still can't believe we're in 2017 and you can have a recording of a man saying, I'm licensed to carry, and his car gets shot up by a cop and the cop just gets away. So literally, he gets pulled over. He wasn't driving, I don't think. Was the girlfriend driving? Regardless of the fact, he gets pulled over. The girlfriend immediately starts recording. There's a child in the backseat. He tells the officer, I have a license to carry. And I think he was like, I think the officer may have told him to show something. I don't know if it was like his ID or if it was like, you know, show him where the gun was or whatever. As soon as he reached, the officer shot the car up with the baby in the back seat, with the girlfriend sitting there like he said he had a license to carry. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 100% legal for him to have this weapon. Wow. And his life did not matter in that moment. So Trevor Noah was talking about the NRA and he was saying that the NRA didn't speak out about this and they usually speak out about having gun control and, you know, people being allowed to carry the guns whenever they want and stuff like that. So he was surprised that, you know, not surprised, realistically surprised, but just saying that how come the rules change all of a sudden when it's an African-American man, you know? And I thought that was an important question because they're always raw, raw, raw. Let's have our guns. Let's do this with our guns. You know what I'm saying? And now where an American citizen is carrying their weapon like you said they should, they still get shot and killed, but you don't have nothing to say. Yeah. Had it been a person of another, you know, racial identity could have had a completely different outcome yeah and it's unfortunate it really is so that's why you know what there are countries like uh don't quote me but i'm pretty sure it's it's like countries like i don't know like england and france and stuff who have like kind of strict gun uh laws and people like like i said don't quote me on the numbers but we can imagine the amount of times we see a tweet uh Instagram post, a Facebook post about, you know, someone getting killed with a gun, whether it's from a cop or another, you know, civilian, these people will see like eight gun deaths a year. Right. We see eight gun deaths in the first three hours of the right. day. You know what I'm saying? And that's an that's an everyday thing. That's not yep. just a you know, you know, something bad happened in, in this area. No, this is everywhere. And I really truly own my soapbox about this don't understand why it's okay in America for people to have all these guns. Don't get me wrong. Um, <clears throat> my mom has a gun. My grandparents have guns and stuff like that. And I'm kind of torn on the subject where, you know, taking people's rights away. However, it's bad people with access to guns who go around doing this stuff. So if, you know, gun control and we're not going to take the guns away, if that's not going to be something that we stand for, then there needs to be a tougher um, system for how you look into who can have these things. And then we also need to stop hiring cops who don't look anything like the demographic in which they work because they don't know how to identify with the people and feel comfortable with them. So now you have all these cops that come from these affluent neighborhoods in these, you know, poor places and you don't look at these people like humans, you know? They're target practice for you. They're cattle. You know what I'm saying? You treat them as such. And that's where we see these cops just shooting up these black people. 
That's me on my soapbox. Wow. And I'm so sorry. That was sorry. the perfect explanation ever. Thanks. That I'm just, really my good. heart is really with his family. No, seriously. Um, I just can't believe. And he was a good person, too. He wasn't, not that anyone deserves to die for, you know, doing mischief, but he was a guy who really cared about his community and the kids and the people and served his community, and the community did not serve him back. Mm. But, yeah, every day it's another It sure is. Hashtag. It is. So the affirmation for today is connected to everything, attached to nothing. I don't know. I, I take it in many different ways. Uh-huh. I take it like I'm a, like a part of everything, but nothing like controls me but myself. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of interpret it. Mm-hmm. I think how I looked at it was like I get to experience everything and I get to be a part of everything. But at the end of the day, nothing belongs to me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Kind of like how um, I don't. Some I don't know. I I was talking to like this was like right after I graduated high school, talking to one of my old bosses about something like this, and she gave me like a similar advice, like be open to experiencing everything, but don't take things so hard when you know you don't get to keep them forever because you know right. they're not always meant for us to have forever. So absolutely enjoy it while it's here, but it may go, and that's okay. And that's completely fine. Listen, let it go, let it go. <laughs> She said it best in <laughs> Frozen. Like, I let it go now. That's um, funny. But yeah, Unboss. Yeah, so Unboss this week is Vagabroad Journals, my dear internet friend, <laughs> Jamine. <laughs> um, she makes handmade, hand-painted journals, and they're all 100% one of a kind. Um, every now and then she'll have, you know, some colorways that are similar, but, you know, no two journals are ever the same. She literally hand tea stains every last page, cuts them, and sews them into um, journals. So her website um, is absolutely amazing. Um, It allows you to, like, meet other tea-stained women. I guess that's what she calls people who, like, journal. Um, And then she also has writing prompts um, where you can, you know, if you're not really familiar with journaling, tap into... um, you know, how to stay connected with yourself. And if you are into journaling, but you're kind of over the monotonous write about my day type of thing, um, she gives you things to like really dive into. So her website is journeysoulfully.co. And actually, if you go to journeysoulfully.co slash tea stained women, I am one of those tea stained women on her website. So you can check that out. Um, she sells on Etsy. So you can go to Etsy.com slash Vagabroad Journals. Um, her Instagram is at Vagabroad Journals. Of course, we'll tag everything in the description of this episode. But she's absolutely amazing. I have had an opportunity to meet her. She comes to New York often. So if you're in the New York and New Jersey area, um, follow her on Instagram. She just pop up shops um, at Martine's Dream in Brooklyn. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's this week's Unbossed. I want one. They're so <laughs> trendy. They are. I actually love it. This is. I have three. And I gifted one to my aunt, so I'm a frequent Vagabroad Journal buyer. Ooh, sounds like we're getting a promo code too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, so today's goddess chat is about identity. So not just the vague idea of identity, just saying who you are, but, you know, how do you identify yourself? You know, where do you find your segments in the world? How are you different? How are you the same? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like... Uh, 
chat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, how do we identify ourselves? I would say I identify myself. I'm black. I'm actually brown because I teach my sister now that we can call each other. You can call yourself brown, and she calls us brown people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm <clears throat> Trinidadian, but I'm also an African American. I guess I'm also African. Um, I'm heterosexual. I think that's about all the definitions that are surface level about me. Okay. Um, I'm a unicorn fairy. Um, (laughs) yeah, I'm black. Um, I'm black. (laughs) Very light skinned, but I'm still black. Uh, Unfortunately for me, I don't know exactly like all my roots. I mean, I think every black family from the United States was told that somewhere along the line there's Native American in you, mm-hmm. um, which to some effect that's actually true for me. I've seen pictures of my great-grandparents, grandparents, and whatnot. But, um, you know, I'm not sure what uh, part of Africa my people are from. So, um, <laughs> just black yeah. Ooh. I lied about a project in, in fifth grade. We had to make a fam- like a tree about like where our roots were. Girl, I fabricated that whole thing. So you don't really know? No. No, I really want to do like the 21, 23 me thing or like... Ancestry DNA. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, I think that... <clears throat> I wrote that down too. Yeah. I, it's $100, but it dates back as far as, you know, as far as far. Yeah. I think the only thing, the farthest thing I know, I had a family member on my dad's side who um, traced our roots back on his side to the plantation that we came from. So I do know that on my dad's side, um, we have roots in Halifax County, a plantation in Halifax County, but that's all I know. I don't know anything further than that. Wow. Wouldn't you be interested in finding out? Yeah. Oh, when? Oh, like a time? No, I said, would you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we could kind of talk about like, you know how people be like, oh, I'm African American, I'm not African. Yeah. Or I'm I'm black, I'm not da 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's ignorance. I don't know. Maybe they grew up in a different, in a different setting. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everybody came from Africa or yeah. like. Some part of African heritage. Yeah, I think to an extent, it's a kind of differentiate yourself because, I mean, to other countries, Americans have this reputation where we're like these lazy slobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I, <clears throat> at least to some people, um, know this to be true, there was a program I went to my freshman year of college and they were talking about, you know, this very subject. And one of the guys was like, when he was growing up, his dad would always tell him, like, you need to say you're Nigerian, you don't say you're black. Because um, African Americans are lazy and they're sloppy and they don't care about their work. And like Nigerians, we come to America and become doctors and lawyers and all this stuff. So you differentiate yourself in that way, at least in his household. I can't speak for um, all Nigerians because I really would not know. But I know, I guess, you know, that may stand for some folks who I guess right. highlight that. Or, like, um, people who are, like, from, like, New York, New Jersey, but then you'll be like, oh, so where, like, where's your background from? And they'll be like, oh, my parents are from, like, North Carolina or South Carolina. Obviously, it was a slave state. Mm-hmm. But they'll be like, that's just where they came from. Yeah. 
that's not where you came from. That's where you were placed. Mm-hmm. You know, you came from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like people are that much encouraged to know their culture. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in my family, we're so cultural. And I had to fight, like, so hard to be like, I'm Trinidadian. And let people, let Trinidadian not be like, what's that? Mm-hmm. Yo, can I, t- every time someone say, I'd be like, I'm Trinidadian and Grenadian. Mm-hmm. Someone be like, what's that? Especially when I moved to this predominantly Caucasian town, mm-hmm. that made me like that made my like Blood stomach. Bill. Yo, <clears throat> I was so upset. I'm like, you're so ignorant. Like you didn't even. It's not. It's not even like where's that. Mm-hmm. It's like what's that. Like I'm. I'm so <laughs> like. I'm like what? Like you just. I just told you a place. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, it's a mix between green and blue. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm just like you know. It's so funny. It's on the opposite end of that spectrum. When I moved, well, when I started going to a predominantly white school, people took so much pride in what they were. Like literally, people be like, "I'm one fourth Irish. I'm seven seventeenths uh, Scottish." Like people like dug deep into that stuff, and then people be like, "What are you?" Because I didn't look like anybody really. Mm-hmm. Like. We had, like, light-skinned black girls, but I I almost feel like I was kind of, like, an anomaly because it's not like they came around so often. So when I was like, I don't know, (laughs) people were like, well, what the fuck? Like, like, why you don't know? Right. Yeah. So kind of, like, shifting directions um, and taking it outside of a cultural thing. Um, What about, like, a topical thing? Like, you walk into a room... And you see somebody that looks like you. Like, why do you think we're drawn to kind of snuggle up with those people as opposed to sticking ourselves in the middle of folks we don't look like? Right. Okay. So, I'm guilty of this. I think so, we all are. <laughs> oh, maybe we are. I thought it was just... <laughs> but in ninth grade, my really close friend, and I'll shout her out, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany, she came into class and I was like, all right, another black girl. We about to take over black girl power. She about to sit next to me. I pull my my book bag or whatever off the table next to me and I put it down. Maybe a little aggressive, maybe a little fast, you know, maybe a little of all those things. But I did it because I saw her coming. You were you know excited. I was excited. Right. So then she walks past me and goes and sits with like a group of Caucasian girls. <laughs> I don't know if I could... Like, I literally looked back at her in such disgust. <laughs> I was like, you're really going to walk right past me? Like, right. I'm sitting right here. So, I mean, we became friends three days later. But the point is, we could have been friends three days earlier had you sat right next to me. Right. And I don't know why I felt like she should have known to do that. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean... You know, part of that could be... Did she grow up in this town? No. She's... She moved here. We moved here within months of each other. Oh, see, I was gonna try to justify it and say maybe yeah. she grew up around these kids. But, but we did. We didn't know each other till like we got. We, we didn't meet each other till high school. Our freshman. That's our freshman class because mm-hmm. we went to two different schools. And then she kind of knew people already. Oh, here. okay. Like I didn't. Okay, got you. So yeah, that was the only thing. Yeah, uh, I have a similar. Ex- well, not a similar experience in that. You know, you expected someone to sit with you and they didn't because, you know, for whatever reason. But when I was in high school, you got to pick who you sat with. And um, I sat with a group of black girls. And to this day, I'm friends with all these girls still. But I remember someone asking me. No, I invited, like, a white girl to sit with us. And I remember her asking, like, why do y'all always sit together? And she said it very, like, not offensively or anything like that. It was, like, out of, like, pure curiosity. 
And <laughs> I remember having the conversation and some of my friends were like, because <laughs> cause we don't ask her why she puts hot sauce on everything. <laughs> like I was one of the people too, like literally doctored up my food at lunch. But <laughs> I, I guess for me, it was that you spend your entire day assimilating. I, well, I spent my entire day assimilating. You know what I'm saying? I um, put a special emphasis on speaking properly and pronouncing all of my T's and P's and S's and, and whatnot and right. trying to be the smartest person in class because I felt like no one said this, but I felt like I had to work twice as hard. Um, I think when you're in an environment like that, like I was, um, I feel like people, teachers kind of like not singled you out in a bad way, but made you feel like you were the special black girl that made it here. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I went to, uh, it was a very competitive school. So um, I don't think they do it on purpose, but I think at times I experienced teachers were like, you must be one of the smart ones. Not They didn't say it like that, but that's you know kind of how it was. And when I got to lunch to be around my black friends, I could relax. Right. It could be like just kicking back, being cool. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to trying to be the best Jordan I can be all throughout the day, the smartest Jordan, the most well-behaved Jordan. I could right. just be Jordan It's like for that hour. Yeah. It's really comfortable because yeah. it's what you see at home. It's what you see when you hang out with your friends outside exactly. of school. So like any op- opportunity I would get to be around people of similar mm-hmm. diversity as me, mm-hmm. I want to do it. But then this also stems up a problem with like inclusion. Mm-hmm. I, there could be... Uh, a black girl and a white girl. And yeah, I'll probably sit by the black girl because that's just my natural instinct. Mm-hmm. But that white girl and me could have way more in common. Yeah. You know, that that black girl and me could be like complete opposites. Mm-hmm. But I'll sit there because of my loyalty yeah. to black people. Honestly, I'm one of the people who, if I'm in a like a... This is going to sound so not PC, but like a white space. And I see a black girl, I'm going to smile at her just because she's probably one of the only right. one. You know what I'm saying? I want, and when she's in my presence, I want her to feel comfortable because I don't know if she feels comfortable the rest of the time. Right. Key example, today on the train, um, this kind of also had another connection, but anyhow, so there's this guy who bought a PATH ticket instead of a um, New Jersey Transit ticket. And he gets on the train, and the conductor's coming around to take people's tickets. And this man who bought the pass ticket was an, an Indian guy. The conductor is, is a white man. The rest of the people in the car were the white man, except for one other guy. And, you know, the conductor's telling him, like, you know, it's 525. It's okay. I'm not going to give you the, you know, the upcharge you didn't know, whatever. So the guy's like searching through his wallet. The conductor didn't think he had change. So I'm like, you know what, sir? Don't worry about it. Um... I'll just get it with my app because I have like the NJ Transit app. Like if you don't have to change more, but I'll just pay for your ticket or whatever. So the guy is like, you know, thanking me or whatever. And he ended up finding the money. So like that really wasn't a problem. But this black guy across from me, I don't I don't know if it could have partly had to do with the fact that maybe I was doing something nice that he felt the need to say something to me. But he, after the conductor left, you know, the guy's like, excuse me, sis, that was nice. And I was like, Thanks. You know what I'm saying? Nobody else in that car would have been like, that was really nice of you to help that man out. But maybe because I think I was black and he saw that in me. And additionally, I did something nice. But he felt comfortable saying something to me because I identified with him in some way. Right. You know what I'm saying? If it was anybody else, I probably would have been, would have been in my head like, oh, that was nice. That was nice. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But I think he took it a step further because. Right. And then he saw the type of person you were based off of what you were about to do. So mm-hmm. he felt even more comfortable. Right. Speaking up. 
And that's the that's the thing. Like if you're not comfortable, uncomfortability is so strange. Like you don't nobody wants to be uncomfortable anymore. Yeah. Relationships, mm-hmm. anything that's uncomfortable, we kind of stray away from. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe it's time that we start putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations because had you know, I'm sure the other rest of the Caucasian people on the train were probably like, damn, that was really nice. I should have did that. But nobody took the time to tell you that. And maybe you would have walked away from it like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I just did whatever I would normally do. Mm-hmm. But having that acknowledgement and someone saying, wow, that was really nice. That kind of puts you like, wow, like, damn, I should do some more nice shit. Like, <laughs> right. that felt good, right. you know? I don't know. It's just, it's the world we live in. Yeah. And, like, I feel like everybody's forcing everyone to find their identity and that, like, especially as young people, millennials, we want to be, like, everything. Like you said, you want to be a freaking unicorn. Like, I want to do everything and be everything. And it's, like, they want to push everyone into their own side. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, Yeah. I think, I think as young people, we're kind of moving away from that. But I think it's, like, the older folks around us that kind of still... Um, harbor that feeling of having to identify one way you know because right. like i said and, um earlier it was the guy's dad who was like no you're nigerian you're not black you know what i'm saying as mm-hmm. opposed to, he probably would have never been like i had to choose you know what i'm saying like yeah i'm nigerian and i'm proud about that because if i knew what i was best believe i'm throwing a flag up in my room like as soon as i know right but <laughs> <laughs> get out but but also i know that as a human, I'm not only tied to that one thing and I'm allowed to be right more. But I will speak on to the fact that Africans do take things more seriously as far as education, as far as identity, like just being around them. Mm-hmm. Their families are very like it's important for them to be successful. They mm-hmm. put a lot of emphasis on being successful and important, mm-hmm. especially on their kids, because of what they've been through. Yeah, and I feel like Afri- African Americans distance themselves so much from the struggle because that is their entire history that they know. Right. Yeah. They distance themselves from their past because so much has happened between the time of slavery and you know mm-hmm. now. Black people have Black Wall Street. Um, Black people had drugs, crack era. Like, that's kind of what people remember Mm -hmm. significantly is your grandma, your mom, or your dad, you know, going through drug abuse or a struggle. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Africans, they have that direct, you know, majority of them just came from Africa. They know exactly what they're dealing with back home and what they didn't have. And they know what you need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're... Sometimes it's a lot of pressure, you yeah. know, because Caribbean, being Caribbean is just like that. Mm-hmm. You have to keep up. I think too, I, I think, I think across the board that may be, an, um, excuse me if I'm not being PC, just correct me, but I think it's kind of like an immigrant thing where you are not from America and you work really hard to get here. So when you come here, you want your children to be the best of what they can be. Right. And on the other end, being just flat out black or african-american you know this country has done so much to try to distance you from what you you know to to make you lose the memory of you being you coming from kings and queens you know what i'm saying right they do so much like you get here and you can't speak your language so you lose that so how are you able to pass that down to your children when you weren't taught it so now you you know i'm saying you're the history that you know is is gone being in a coming from a plantation you know what i'm saying so it's like hard to equate that to each other i think i think it, I, my personal opinion is that it's like an immigrant thing where you 
know what it took to get here and you want your kids to have it and you want them to work hard to have it. And on right. the other end, you know, black people know a struggle and we know that sometimes we get into a rut and we feel like the struggle is eternal. Right. But I do feel like African Americans are spoiled in a sense compared to like being an immigrant. Because, like, I guess I can speak from the immigrants' point. Even though I was born in America, I kind of grew up, like, right when my parents was growing up and they were immigrants. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like, I've seen it. I think African-Americans, they're like, you know, we don't have to go to college. We can we can just apply for, like, uh, food stamps or something and get government housing and not work. And, like, you know, they're, that's what I see commonly when I think of, like, african-americans you know mm-hmm. whereas like caribbeans and like africans and immigrants in a sense we work really hard because you know you're i mean i guess you have to because you're not really from that place you have to work harder to stay but i feel like we want it more like our parents expect us to go to college and we make a way out of no way and granted this is not by any means, all African-Americans and all immigrants because people are people at the end of the day. But I just think the way you grow up and the people you're around and the environment that you you see, because, like, even me going back to Trinidad, I see it and I'm just like, wow, like, for them to get out of here, get there and build what they have now, like, that that makes me want to work even harder. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be careful with that assumption because whereas I do think that maybe um, immigrants... Am I? What's a better word for that? Because I feel like it's no, that's completely fine. Okay, I didn't want to sound derogatory or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do think they hold their kids to a different standard because the difference is, you know, I can't speak to what um, you know anyone who comes here from America experiences. The difference with being from here is that your path is. The, the the journey is all about beating a systematic um, means oh, to hold you back. So I'm trying to figure out how to word this to make it to be for, for it to be effective. But um, okay, okay. For instance, if you are never exposed to something, you don't know you have an opportunity to have it. You know what I'm saying? So that's like saying ignorance is bliss, though. Well, no, no, not that ignorance is bliss, but let, let me let me give you an example. So my great grandparent, my great grandfather served in World War Two. When he first came back to America, there was a um, where I'm from. It's a neighborhood called um, Southfield where they built basically. There was a neighborhood for white troops, and they didn't allow black ones to to live there. So the black troops got funding from a um, a, a city in Michigan called Southfield, Michigan, and they helped build up this area um, in Columbus for these black troops. Um, so at one time it was a very nice neighborhood for all these men returning from wars with their families and, you know, everybody being back together and it's all happy and, and rah, rah. Right. Um, so that's the forties. Then fifties happened. The sixties happened. We slowly move into the crack era. Um, and we know from all sorts of research and people telling it like it is the cops planted drugs and, and, um, guns into neighborhoods and it completely um, work to destroy um, the legacy of the black family. Right. Um, and you see that for 30, 40 years. Um, and this becomes all these people know. They don't have an opportunity to 
um, have access to college because their grandparents, you know, the, the, the last people to have access to college are probably their grandparents or their great grandparents. So they don't even know what it's like to, you know, get their foot out the door. They think that where they are is all they, you know, get. Right. Um, so you don't strive for what you don't know. And I think that is something that has, I don't think, I know that's something that has heavily impacted um, African-Americans. I'm sorry. I'm I'm like going through it right now. (laughs) Um, Something that's heavily impacted African-Americans. On the other end, um, I'm not going to take away from the the immigrant experience because I know it's much different and we have amenities in America that not everybody has access to. However, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that you know, they come from 300 years of people telling you, you ain't shit and you can't have shit and you'll never be shit. Because when someone tells you that, if someone tells you you're dumb for long enough, you're going to believe it. You're going to teach that to your kids. And then your kids are going to teach their kids that. And it's going to take for a special moment for you to snap 300 years of your people out of, you know, feeling like they can't be. Right. So I think that's what the difference is. I think I, I, I definitely see your point of view. And I understand that the African-American struggle now more than I did before we started this podcast. But I would say, you know, majority of the immigrant countries are leaving their country, not because their country is just the greatest place to be in the world, but because they're in extreme poverty. No, definitely. They're in extreme need for medical assistance. They're in need for all these different things that their country is not providing for them. So coming here, it's like survival. It's not just like coming here to start a life and get a house and be on um, food stamps and do all those things. That's not what the ultimate goal is. It's, It's to ultimately strive and get a job and be able to support your family here and not only your family here, but your family wherever you came from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with that, like, I see a lot of like strength in my immigrant family. There was like 12 of them who came here and they all lived in a one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. And I try to think of living in my house right now. There's like multiple bedrooms and bathrooms. And I'm like, we still clash all the time. But mm-hmm. like one bedroom, one bathroom, no, no food stamps, no help with electricity, no education, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, they built so much from that, that like you can't let your name down like you have so much weight on your shoulders like being an immigrant person whether you're caribbean mexican african whatever you are you you always you have to defeat the odds so much greater in my opinion than the african american but like you said the african american struggle is extremely different like you you're being put in jail and handcuffs you've been beaten you've been bruised you almost have no hope at this point you're just like let me just do what the system wants me to do because we're going to end up in jail anyways and our community is filled with drugs anyways let's just do drugs you know what i'm saying it's a whole bunch of negative being put at you but you also have the opportunity to get out whereas like when you're in poverty there's usually not many options i think because you don't experience it you don't see that as well but I'm going to give you an example. Um, like, I have a family member who, like I, like I said, my family doesn't come from a super rich neighborhood or nothing like that. And to be honest, I I have to catch myself because I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm not deserving of being in the place that I am. I'm not rich by any means. But I left where I came from because I knew there was nothing better for me. And there are plenty of people who are in that you know similar circumstance. And I, I can't necessarily say... I don't want to generalize, because um, that's not a, that's not a fair assessment. But 
I can't say I can't say it's an African American thing to be on welfare and have food stamps and you know not you know no do definitely not, not because the thing is there are more white there's, there's more that's it's what like, I was about it's like, to say it's, it's like, an American thing but it's like 70 30 of white people no it is who, who are on you know assistance programs you that's know what I'm absolutely saying true. so I can't I can't I can't necessarily say as a whole African Americans don't try and there are the few that or there are the, there are some that make it out and some that do well by themselves and everybody else kind of feeds into the system. It's very true that some do, but I think as a whole we black people who whose history is here are resilient and it's going to take more for 300 years of oppression it's going to take way more than that to really un uproot a system that really doesn't give a fuck about you or right. your people. You know what I'm saying? Like, to, to know that my brother can... My brother, who has the, the softest of hearts, right, can intimidate somebody by walking down the street because he... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. imagine your your dad grew up with people thinking that way about him, and then inherently your dad has to teach you, you know, put your eyes down when you walk by a white person because it might scare them. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, do, right. how does that teach you to look at yourself? As a black man, you know what I'm saying? And then you have to go out in the world and people expect you to be all you can be. Not to say that you shouldn't, because you should. You absolutely should. Like, yeah. you know, I, n- I would never tell my brother, like, do change anything about yourself because somebody somebody's afraid of it. You know what I'm saying? That's their problem, not yours. Right. But I just think I just think it's different. I can't say, I'm not going to say yeah, that I don't any think struggle one is, is greater than yeah, the other. I don't think one is greater than the other. I just think that it's different. Yeah. And right. I agree completely that it's completely different. And mm-hmm. it's... Because the African-American struggle is alive and prevalent. Like, I experience it, like, every day. Being black in white spaces. Yeah, because at the end of the day, woman, people, white people, don't give a fuck if you're from Africa, if you're or, from yeah. Trinidad, or if you're, from, <laughs> right. you're, or if you're a dark-skinned black. Dominican, you're black and they're going to treat you like it, which is a right. whole nother conversation. <laughs> but is a whole nother podcast A whole topic. nother podcast topic. Um... Yeah, wow. That was a lot. Shit. At the end of the day, man, love yourselves and love where you come from. Right. And love what makes you you. And and rep yourself. Like, don't feel like it has to be the commodity right now Yeah. for it to be favorable. Like, what's in right now is mixed people. Like, I don't know. I don't... I'm not really sure what's in. That was just the idea. Uh-huh. But I'm saying, like, don't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm mixed with da 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 Even though you're not because you want to, like, fit in. That's so whack and corny. Right. Actually, really quickly, there was an interview about American Indians on The Breakfast Club that I was listening to. Mm-hmm. And she spoke about how American Indians have no hope mm-hmm. and that the government put them on land that was not fertile and they weren't used to. Like, she said that her tribe used to follow the cattle. So mm-hmm. as the cattle would go from different areas, as the the weather changed, mm-hmm. they would follow because yeah. they knew... There would be fertile land. There would be fertile land themselves. wherever they're going. So when the government placed them, they placed them on land that there was no cattle. Mm-hmm. So now you have people who aren't familiar with the land, who aren't familiar with the area, who Think don't about know where how they to grow something. The, they, a, a large portion of Native American uh, settlements, bro, are literally in deserts. No water, no nothing. And the government gives them government cheese, government milk. And you know what that is. And trying to take their land back away from them, drilling, right. the, the, contaminating their water sources. She said that 
they have so much suicide in mm-hmm. their like tribes. It's, honestly. And it's the young people like, yeah. killing themselves. And they have a huge problem with alcoholism because yep. they use it as an escape. Like that is They're not so used crazy. to drinking alcohol like the white man. The white man had dates back alcohol to when they was owning slaves and they would just drink out of those little la- hatchel things, whatever it's called. Satchel things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? American Indians, they they didn't they weren't raised like that. Alcohol wasn't a means of livelihood for them right so now you put alcohol then they have the casinos and the casinos were built to generate revenue for to like rebuild the tribes but all the tribes people started to go there and use all their money because they don't have any hope yeah and america does that to you it sucks all the life out of you and takes what it so that's why i mean i get i see like the amenity side of like coming to america because you have resources that you don't have elsewhere but then i Sometimes I wonder, like, do people really know what they're getting themselves into yeah, when they really come not here? That because, great. I mean, granted, I, I mean, we have I, great health care and great other things, but who got great health care? <laughs> well, we got health care, <laughs> but like, like, there's so many other things not, that the yeah. world is missing. That, yeah. Well, America is missing, and that the world doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Or that the world does have, like. Some places you'll go and I'm sure it'll be like dope. Like everyone just helps everyone in the community and just everything like that. It's like great. But then you'll come here and like Sweden. you won't even know your neighbors. Yeah. I swear to God. Like if I wasn't Neighborhood Watch, well, self-appointed Neighborhood Watch, I wouldn't know shit about nobody. But because it had to be Neighborhood Watch because we are the only black people on the block. <laughs> and I have to like let out. us be Neighborhood Watch. Nobody else. <laughs> No, seriously, because we don't trust y'all. But yeah, since I am Neighborhood Watch, I have to... Are you, you seriously know. Neighborhood Watch? Yes. I've been <laughs> I Neighborhood never Watch for like you. three years. I never knew Nobody that. else knows, but I'm on top of, I'm on top of everything oh that happens on this block. I can I tell really you that. Can't. Bedford Road is on lock. You feel me? <laughs> but yeah. That is so funny. Guys, however you identify yourself, if you're a unicorn... If you're a goldfish, if you are a mother, <laughs> not like if you are anything, just, you know, love yourself. Be yourself. Just. And say, you know, smile at the black girl when you walk by. Yeah. Smile at everybody. Like, Fact. keep it a stack. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm I one of the, when I first came here, people were like, why do you smile at people? And I'm like, because it's nice. I don't know. No, I never used to smile. I ne- First of all, you wouldn't even want to ask me how to get somewhere because I'd be like, I don't know, even if I knew. <laughs> But now, like, I just be walking around smiling. With your teeth like, out? Like, all my teeth out. People be thinking I'm flirting with them, but I be like, no, I'm just I'm happy. I'm just friendly. I'm just friendly. I'm just friendly. <laughs> I'll be flirting. I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, um, you have any last words? Uh, no, I feel like I talk so much during this. She's a talker. <laughs> but yeah, our fresh face today is the bath bombs from blush mm-hmm. okay let me put y'all on game okay there's a pink one it's not light pink it's a dark pink uh-huh. like a magenta and it's shaped like a cinnamon roll and inside the cinnamon roll is like a white so it's like white pink swirls mm-hmm. right it's a big like fist size one and you break off a piece and you crumble it while the water's while the water's running mm-hmm. and you put your one foot in it <laughs> what happens girl girl you come out of that bad feeling like butter. Mm-hmm. Like like someone just slapped some can't believe it's not butter, <laughs> butter on your back because so I don't have a tub right now. Uh-huh. Well, I do have a tub. My downstairs bathroom has a tub. But like in my bathroom I don't have a tub, so uh-huh. I'm not really an avid bath, bath bomber. Mm-hmm. 
But, like, I do pop out sometimes and I use the bath bombs when I'm feeling a little frisky. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Like, I really do. I'm more of a bath bomber, but then I shower afterwards yeah. because sitting in, in dirt, your dirt yeah, is pretty I'm the dirty. same way. I, yeah, exactly the way. So, yeah, I'll shower right after. But either way, I still feel great. Yeah. I don't use, like, a dove right after. I'll probably use, like, a black soap on my skin just to, like, clean it up. Yeah, just to get the dirt off. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, bath bombs are great. I think I'm the I'm the same way about baths. Like, before I had this last bath bomb I used, I swear I probably hadn't been in a bathtub in like five years. Yeah, I'm I, no longer than that. I swear it probably was like eight years since I took a bath. I'm not even. I really wish I was. And gassing, that is our promo code. Eight years. <laughs> eight years. <laughs> I don't need to make that live. Okay. <laughs> Okay, guys, so that is a wrap. Episode 19. We have so many announcements. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, oh, then Drum we'll roll. be releasing. Are we going to do it right now? Yeah. Okay. So you guys are getting a preview because the flyer has not dropped. Sorry about that. <laughs> but June 30th, if you are in the New York or New Jersey area, we are hosting a happy hour called Summer Fridays. Yeah. And that's actually my first real Summer Friday, so I'm I don't have Summer Fridays. Oh. But if I did, that would be my first day too. So, <laughs> so yes, we'll, we'll give you the location when we drop the flyer. But yeah. yeah, June 30th, make sure you come out. Probably like what, 5 o'clock? Yeah. Go? 5 o'clock? 6 o'clock. Six, that's not happy hour time, is it? Is it? We're going to put the time on the flyer. <laughs> <laughs> we just love what's happening that day and we would love to see y'all. It's completely free. Yeah. Uh, well, you got to pay for your drinks. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's not like you have to pay to come in or anything like that. Right. And bring your business cards. Bring your business cards. Networking. Bring a friend. Um, right, bring two friends. Yes. It's really informal. You know, we're not going to sit up on a podium and talk or nothing no, yeah, like that. We're, we're not. just going to be mixing, mixing and mingling Getting and talking wasted. to you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be in. Um, New Jersey, so yeah, we'll drop the dope. yeah, we'll drop the location and time on the flyer, and yeah, that's a wrap. Yeah, bye guys.